Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I am excited to be with you as I always am. And today I'm even more excited because I have a special guest with me today. And this individual is actually the daughter of a very good friend of mine, somebody that I've befriended over the past couple of years. And, and just uh, really, we, we got a chance to know each other during the, the pandemic. And uh, he has been an outstanding person to have in my corner and just a very great encourager. Uh, his name is Henry Ho, and he has a, a, a daughter named Christina Williams. And uh, Christina is the executive director of Circles NWA. And when Henry originally told me about the program and about what they were doing, I was like, man, I got to have these guys on the podcast. And so we worked it out and, and Christina was kind enough to have uh, coffee with me one day and we got a chance to, she really kind of 
bore her soul on uh, the mission of circles and what they're doing here in Northwest Arkansas. And again, in my mind, it's like, this is like another best kept secret. I, I keep running up across these best kept secrets here in Northwest Arkansas that people just don't know about. And Circles NWA is one of them. And so without further ado, I want to welcome Christina Williams to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Christina, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks good. so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's good to have you here. And, and I'd love for you just to kind of tell the audience just quickly your superhero origin story before we jump into Circles NWA, because there's a lot to cover here mm-hmm. today. Yeah. So I actually grew up in Hong Kong, spent the my early childhood six years there. And I say that because I think it really connects to kind of where I am now, but spent my kindergarten through fifth grade around a very diverse community, people from so many different countries, so many different backgrounds. And that was just normal for me. And so I kind of had that at the beginning of my life. And then we moved here to Fayetteville and I graduated from Fayetteville High School and went to school in Greenville, South Carolina at a small liberal arts school called Furman University. Actually, both my parents went there, so <laughs> followed in their footsteps. So you're a legacy. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, and it was at Furman where I found my love of sociology. And my parents were really cool and let me study what I was passionate about. Yeah. Uh, sociology just gave me this really new perspective on how to see the world, how to understand kind of some of these problems that we see, and specifically how kind of individual personal challenges connect to bigger social issues. And I find that often, you know, we tend to default to these personal, moral character flaws in people to describe why why they're, you know, maybe why they don't have a job is because they're lazy mm-hmm. or why they're in prison is because they're just a bad apple. Right. But sociology taught me the this new perspective and to ask the question like why does it make sense that people are the way they are? Sure to look bigger than just those potential character flaws. And I think that just gave me a real sense of compassion for people and a desire to dig deeper to understand what's going on that we see these patterns, these recurring problems in our community. And sociology also gave me research skills. And so I actually started my career out in market research. Okay. And, you know, that taught me how just to learn about people. So how to identify the problem, how to ask good questions, draw insight from data. And so I've always had kind of researcher question asker mind. And when I was working in the business world, I also had the opportunity to volunteer with a group that had started a business in northern India. And I was kind of their stateside administrative person because the founders lived in India. And so when they needed you know, checks deposited, money t- wired, talk to the bank. I was there. And so because I was doing that work, they invited me and my husband to come over to India, kind of a learning trip. And so we got to go visit. And, and this visit really, I think, kind of set the trajectory for the next 10 years mm-hmm. of what we've been pursuing. Um, but it's a company that started a business making handbags, really trying to bring into fashion, the traditional art of Indian block printing. Okay. But they were also specifically set out to employ people that were, they would say, the poorest of the poor. So people with disability, people living in intense poverty, begging on the streets, people recovering from drug addiction, alcohol. They brought them together, gave them a job. And so you had this really interesting, diverse community 
of people working together, eating mm-hmm. together, building community together. And it was just the most beautiful, impactful experience I think we had had. And we came back from that trip. You're like, how do we find this here in Northwest Arkansas? Yeah. And obviously, Fayetteville is very different than India. Sure. There's not just like swaths of people everywhere. And so we were kind of at a loss at first of like, where do we even go to find this? And specifically to be around people that have a very, have had a very different experience of Northwest Arkansas than we've had. Right. And so, you know, we, we knew that there was a lot of different community meal soup kitchens. And so that's where we started out. We went and started eating lunch at the soup kitchens. Okay. We would go stand in line with people. We would go through the line with people. And you know, that was a new experience for me. I'd always been on the other side serving the meal. Right. And so that was, you know, if I'm honest, that was really hard. Yeah. Kind of embarrassing to have to be on the other side. But we would do that. We sit down and eat with people, get to know them, hear their stories. And, and over time, we built real friendship with people. And then we started having people into our home. We do our annual, for many, many years, we did our annual Friendsgiving. Okay. Um, we would clear out all the furniture in the house and set up one long weaving table throughout the house and then just invite all sorts of people from the community, people experiencing poverty and homelessness, people from middle, upper class, international students, just all sorts of people. And we would just eat together for Thanksgiving. And it was a really, really beautiful thing. And I, I think... The thing that was still kind of gnawing at me, though, at the time is like, man, I've built these friendships. I've built this community, but I'm still not seeing my friends, my community members be able to move up and out of poverty. Sure. So I don't want to just be friends. I want to like see them better their life. I know they have dreams and ambitions. And at the same time, during this time, I was I went back to school at the University of Arkansas, got my master's in sociology. And it was during that time that I became really enamored with this concept of social capital. So social capital being, you know, the people, the connections, the networks that you have that that have value. Mm-hmm. You know, we often use our social capital to get access to jobs. So like, hey, will you pass my resume to your uncle who works at that company I want to work for? Or like, hey, I need to get those medical records from the hospital and like it's just not happening. So I'm going to call my friend who's on the board of the hospital and they get it taken care of like that. <laughs> right, right. You know, so like that social capital, even when we're just venting to a friend, we're using we're using the value of these relationships, things we don't have to pay for because we know people. And I was like, man, this is really, really valuable, but it's also a really untapped resource when we're thinking about poverty, that a lot of people who experience poverty don't have those kind of connections, don't have the opportunities and resources that come with that. Right. And so, you know, my husband was working in a church at that time and I would go every Sunday and just look around this big auditorium. Man, there's so much social capital in this room. Like what could happen if we were aware of that and if we could leverage that for the good of other people in our community? And so fast forward a little bit to 2018 and my husband and I decided that we were going to try to design a program that tapped into this valuable resource of social capital. And so we designed something called Life Teams. And another thing we had learned from our trip to India was just the value of leadership mm-hmm. among people that maybe wouldn't normally be thought of leaders. So in that community, they were raising up local leadership to lead this initiative. And so kind of taking that social capital and that leadership piece, the program was designed to center leadership of people who are experiencing poverty. So they were the team leader. 
And then we surrounded them with people in the community who came from more probably middle upper income backgrounds that were there to support them, walk alongside them and help them with the goals that they were setting. Sure. And so we piloted that for a year. And then after that, kind of took a step back and said, you know, what worked? What are we missing? And there was a lot of really good things, but we we knew we were missing a lot. And so instead of trying to just you know, take years and years to create and refine things, we decided to say, what maybe already exists out there nationally? And so we looked around, looked at a lot of different things and found Circles USA, which is a national organization that's been around for over 20 years now. And they have Circle chapters across 80 communities in the US and Canada. And so we decided to partner with them and bring a chapter of Circles here to Northwest Arkansas Circles NWA, and it's it's the first in the state of Arkansas. Wow! So, and that 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 is um, it's interesting, right? Because it's like I think you ran against this whole idea of what, what you know. Do I need to build a bigger, better mousetrap, or does a mousetrap exist that solves the problem that I'm trying to solve? Mm-hmm. So, and you found it in Circles, and you know, it's I'm always amazed when people look around and they want to try to create something brand new, and and a lot of times there may be something out there that exists that they can align themselves with. So Circles NWA, is it a separate nonprofit just using the Circles name? Is that how it works? Or Yeah. So we set up our nonprofit called Innovative Poverty Solutions. Okay. And Circles NWA is the first initiative that we have launched from that nonprofit. Okay. That's great. And then what did you learn when you first discovered Circles, were you like, oh my God, this is the answer to everything that we've been looking for? <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways, it felt like that. They had the training we were looking for, um, that everyone who participates in Circles goes through training on the front end to equip them for this process. They had the structure that was in place and they had just kind of key pieces that had been vetted over time. So, you know, we piloted for 12 months. They do, Circles does 18 months. Okay. And there's a reason for the, the difference. And so to be able to just kind of step into that and feel confident, like there's a reason we do 18 months. There's a reason we train people and the type of content that we train them in and was really helpful in kind of getting us up and going really fast. Yeah. And so in the time that you discovered Circles and learned more about the difference that it was making in other communities, was there kind of like an aha moment or something that you learned about the 20 years that Circles has been in existence that really cemented the idea that we could really use this here and benefit from it based on the ideas that we want to see executed in Northwest Arkansas to fight poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of nonprofits in this area, a lot of really great services and resources. I think as we looked around, we saw that you know a lot of the work I would potentially categorize as poverty management work that it's helping people kind of where they are continue to get by, and you know we want to see poverty reduced. And Circles is really positioned as a poverty reduction initiative, and So we love that circles can be seen as kind of the next step for people as they get to a relative degree of stability, as they're able to utilize a lot of the amazing resources in our community. We're here as they're saying, I want to take that next step and move up and out of poverty. I want to pursue upward mobility, increase my income, take risks to maybe change career path. Mm -hmm. That circles is the program to not just you know, not play in the stabilization crisis intervention. That's not where we are. We're in that, hey, we're here to get you ready for what's next in your life. And to be clear, there is a place for all of those things. But 
you guys are kind of saying, okay, how do we, you know, add gasoline to this fire that of growth that mm-hmm. we're trying to experience and get people moving out of poverty even, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole idea here. It's like, I mean, poverty is not a pet. It's not something that you keep around. If, if you can avoid it, you want to try to avoid it. And I think you guys kind of came up on something that really does make a difference. And when you find people in a local community that want to be allies to those individuals that are going through this process, it makes all the difference in the world. Can you kind of speak or give us kind of the overarching view of how Circles NWA works to develop these individuals that are going through this process? Mm -hmm. So at Circles, we flip the traditional mentorship model on its head and center the leadership of those who are experiencing poverty or those who are really low income. And we call our participants Circle Leaders. And that's not just a name. You know, we obviously want them to see themselves as leaders in their own life, but we also position them as leaders in circles. And we believe they're the leaders that our community needs if we want to see real solutions to poverty. And so that's kind of the first piece of circles is that our participants are the leaders. And then we match circle leaders up with two or three volunteer allies who typically come from middle or upper income backgrounds. And they commit to walking alongside a circle leader for at least 18 months. They're there as the friend, supporter. You know, they're not the leader. They're not the mentor. Often our allies, you know, they may think they know the best answer or they may know something is maybe not a good decision. Mm -hmm. But we ask them to hold back and to listen first and to really try to learn a new perspective as they're walking alongside someone. And so together, they, you know, our circle leaders write SMART goals. They work on their budgets and their allies are there to support them in that process, both being that kind of social support net, as well as then connecting them out to different connections and opportunities that they know of in the community. Yeah. And that's where that whole piece happens in terms of relationships, right? And connections Mm -hmm. and who do you know and how can, you know, you might know somebody that can help somebody that you're working with. So, I mean, there's all kinds of benefits. It's funny because I literally, this the day that we're recording this podcast, I just spent, you know, an hour with a bunch of Walton College of business students talking to them about the importance of relationships. And I said to them that, you know, and you're these kids are all young. I mean, I'm in my fifties. These kids are all 18, 19, 20. And I'm like, listen, if there's one lesson that you learn early on, that relationships do matter. Not from a transactional standpoint, but from a relational one. And it can change your life fundamentally. And I think what you guys have done, in essence, is capture that idea in this program that you have for helping individuals that have, you know, for whatever reason, have, you know, maybe just life's just been a little tougher for them than it has for some other folks. And I think it's important for people to realize that there's always somebody that's willing to give a helping hand, that's willing to lend an ear, that's willing to give some guidance where needed and reflect and help you to get to the place that you ultimately want to go. Yeah. And as we're, you know, as people are building relationships, you know, oftentimes we can end up building relationships with people who are just like us Yeah, and uh, birds of a feather flock together, that kind of thing. And so, you know, this, the New York Times actually just had an article in the last couple months that showed that economic connectedness, meaning kind of bringing people together across income lines, was one of the most impactful factors in seeing people move out of poverty. And so this, the bringing people together across socioeconomic lines, other things that divide us, is a really 
key way of, as we're talking about building relationships, social capital to just expand outside of the circles that we normally operate in. Yeah. You know, and, and that is so true. And you have actually a couple of events that we're going to talk about in a, in a few minutes that are coming up and, you know, ways that people can get involved. But I want to I want to just take a step back and have an understanding of, you know, a lot of times people are like, it always pains me when I hear people say, well, you know, I just lifted myself up from my bootstraps. And, you know, you hear the whole Horatio Alger story. If I can do it, so can you. And I'm like, eh, it doesn't quite work that way for individuals. But there is something that, you know, and even in your your website and on and on some of the documents that you put out there, you talk about specifically why for some people it is so difficult to move out of poverty. And it, I know it's known as the cliff effect, but I would love for you just for our audience, just to educate them. Let's take us to mm-hmm. school, Christina, mm-hmm. and educate us on this, the sociologist that you are, and help people under bridge that gap of thinking where it's like, because I know some people are listening to this, that you've, you've been successful and you've done it on your own. You're, I mean, I don't think any one of us has ever done it on our own. Somebody along the way has helped you, whether they opened a door for you, whether they made an introduction for you, for somebody. I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for the people that were in my life that made connections for me, built relationships, and gave me encouraging advice as I was moving throughout my career. But talk to us a little bit about why it is so hard for so many to move out of poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the biggest, and I'd say most hidden barriers keeping people stuck in poverty is the cliff effect. And the cliff effect is what happens with low-income households when they may receive a raise or an increase in income, but then they suddenly lose access to the different benefits they may be receiving. So SNAP, food assistance, housing vouchers, childcare vouchers, health insurance, they suddenly lose access to this because they've now made a little bit too much money. Yeah. But the loss of that, the increase in income does not make up for the loss in that benefit. Do so they actually financially net out worse? So you can imagine with housing in this area, you might be getting subsidized housing and now you've gone from maybe $12 an hour to $14 an hour. That $2 an hour raise is not going to make up for the cost of housing in this area. And so with the cliff effect, often known as benefit cliffs, it can be really risky for people to actually try to move up and over that threshold of self-sufficiency. And so you see a lot of people kind of hovering below that where they're hardworking They may have one or more jobs, but they don't make enough income to afford those basic necessities. And so to lose help that they're getting is is really, be really detrimental and really scary. And so you see people turning down raises. You see people not working more hours, even if they wanted to. Yeah. And it becomes this kind of cycle where it's really hard to actually move up and out of poverty. It keeps people stuck. You get comfortable. Mm-hmm. You get comfortable and it's like there's also that unknown, right? So I take this increase in salary, my hour, hourly rate or, you know, get this new job and all of a sudden it's great. But what does that mean for all these other things that I've had and I've been accustomed to or that have been beneficial or vital to my existence? Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to possibly lose some of these things. Mm-hmm. How do I overcome them? Yeah. I mean, sometimes even just making $1 over the limit will kick you off of these benefits, which are often hard to get on in the first place. Yeah. We have a really long waiting list for housing sure. in this community. Yeah. And so, you know, what we want to do at Circles, you know, there's a lot of things that people are talking about kind of across the nation right now with cliff effect and benefit cliffs. But 
kind of the first step is to just help people understand, identify when those cliffs might happen. So we've been partnering with the city of Fayetteville and utilizing a tool from the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta called their Cliff Planner. And it just helps people see, hey, if I was going to go from this hourly wage to this, or if I'm going to try to make a career move, what might happen to my benefits? When are they going to fall off? When am I going to actually hit those cliffs? And then how can I plan for that? How can I, you know, maybe utilize other services? How can you even talk to your employer saying, okay, like $13 is going to hit me, put me at a cliff, but maybe this other amount Mm -hmm. is better. So how can I work towards that? Just equipping people to have those conversations while, you know, hopefully we can have bigger community conversations about how we can adjust policy. You know, a lot of states will trickle off SNAP or trickle off childcare rather than it just being a hard drop. Right. Was well, Arkansas one of those states? No. No. Okay. So, and that wasn't a setup question. I, I, I kind of thought I knew the answer, but I wasn't 100% certain. So here in the state of Arkansas, it is very difficult. Do you really do experience the cliff effect if you try to step up your game and you increase your income and, you know, you know, you could lose Section 8. There are a lot of factors involved. And, and like you said, there are waiting lists for all of these. So walk us through how Circles helps to circumvent that the best way that you guys know how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a combination of, you know, we are starting, we're in a pilot with the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta and utilizing this tool with some of our circle leaders to see, okay, is is this new career path I want to pursue? Is it worth it? And what's kind of the, will I have a budget gap in the process of I'm of going back to school or, you know, kind of starting off at the bottom and working my way up. So kind of first equipping people with that information data so that they can make better decisions. And they're not just guessing or finding out kind of too late that they've already lost the benefit. And then it's helping circle leaders network in the community around jobs that will pay a wage that will help them avoid the cliff effect. And so a lot of our circle leaders, you know, we we connect them with people in the community who are in their desired career path. So one of our circle leaders is interested in HR. And so she had a coffee with someone who's working in HR. Now they have each other's numbers. um, You know, that person is in a whole network of HR professionals. And so just kind of using social capital to open up different pathways for our circle leaders. So it's not just looking on Indeed. It's not just thinking about, you know, always the hourly wage job that they may have been accustomed to. And then just having that support system in place with their allies, with the circles community, kind of gives people more confidence as they're going to take risks and make these big life changes that mm-hmm. could, you know, set them up for the kind of life and, and career that they hope to have. Yeah. So can you share maybe a story or two of, of the difference that you guys have been in this? You call them cohorts, right? So this is you're in, are you, you currently are in your second cohort since Circles NWA began. Is that correct? Yeah, we just launched our second one last month. They're going through training right now. They are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So can you maybe, do you have any unique stories or anything that you gleaned from the first cohort that is really informing what you do? And also it just is a a reminder of how valuable the service that you're offering is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Two come to mind, but one, one of our circle leaders has become a first time homeowner. Oh. And it was okay. really exciting. She worked so hard and, and planned and prepared for so long, you know, but 
she was able to have this experience with her allies where you know, at first she put in an offer on a house that it, it was it was not a good choice. And her allies were like, you know, you can switch realtors. And she's like, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so she switched realtors, was able to get a really great house. And then their, her allies kind of rallied their social networks together to help her furnish her home. She's oh, going nice. from a small apartment to a, a, her home. And so they got people to donate, to contribute. And she was able to, you know, set up a really nice space for her and her family. So just kind of seeing how people can utilize their connections. Um, and then the other one, you know, transportation and automotive problems is a really big problem in this community. And if you don't have a car, you know, you can't get to work very easily. And it just is a whole snowball effect. And one of our circle leaders, she was driving down to Fort Smith this year, family, her car broke down. Oh. And you know, she was able to call her allies and just get some emotional support as she waited four hours for a tow truck. Oh. But the next week, you know, she came to Circles, her allies gave her a ride, and I kind of expected her to be really down because you don't have a car and now you're going to pay for all this. But she was, re- she actually came in in high spirits and yeah. she's like, you know, I found someone to come to me to fix the car and it's going to be $800. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's a lot of money for it anyone. Is. Yeah, yeah, She's absolutely. Like, but I have an emergency fund. Oh, because man. of my ally, he helped me set up an emergency fund and I can pay for this. Yeah. And I was like, I have never heard a story like this before. <laughs> and, you know, just to have someone encourage her in her finances and to remind her, you know, hey, you work, you did work those extra hours, put it aside. And, you know, to have that voice as she's processing through her finances, like made a huge difference in in crisis versus like she continued on her, her path. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's, I'm glad you shared that story because I've heard stories like that. And I I think we, some of us know the statistic and it's been bantered about whether it's accurate or not, but the average American has like $400 to their name in savings. And so that's not a lot of money folks. So you need to have more than that. You need to have some money socked away for a rainy day because as they say, what what is the expression that uh, Murphy does come to visit from time to time? And so when it, when anything can go wrong, it probably will. And mm-hmm. so you need to take advantage of the situation by preparing for a rainy day when it's sunny out. And so that's the perfect example of that. But that is a bigger problem that we have in our country. And so you are certainly addressing that at the level where you guys are focusing on these individuals. And they need to hear that. They need to know that, hey, this needs to be set aside and you never know when you're going to need it. Like I always tell people, like I always tell, you know, young women that I meet, especially, but anybody that will listen, I'm like, listen, AAA is your best friend, the the automotive company that will come out and tow you and take care of things. Because if you have to start paying per mile to have a car towed or something like that, that can get expensive. And so sometimes just spending money in the right way can really make a huge benefit for you. And so I think, you know, what you're doing in that story is, symptomatic of some of the challenges that we face here in this country and that in any country that people face and struggle with when it comes to just not having set aside what needs to be set aside. And oh, by the way, there's a lot of people that don't do this. So it's not like that these individuals that are struggling or coming out of poverty are there. It's unique to them. It's not because there are people that are making good money that don't have two pennies to rub together. And it's, you know, it's a bigger, it's a bigger challenge. And your focus is on those individuals that we're trying to help rise up out of poverty and stay out of poverty, right? Because it's not like you want to use poverty as a crutch or as some type of need that just always is going to be there. 
it doesn't have to be there. And I talk to people all the time about, you know, a lot of times what, what you find is that generationally, these problems have always existed. There's just nobody that has come alongside of them to say, hey, you know, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. Just like what you're describing with the allies, most of the people that I have seen that have had some success in their lives on a financial level and elsewhere typically have had somebody that has come alongside of them and said, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. A lot of times it's your parents or it could be your grandparents, but then it also might be a neighbor. It could be, you know, that aunt or uncle that you have. I mean, so there are always going to be people there. And I mean, it does take a village. And I think that Circles NWA certainly represents and embodies what that village is all about in terms of finding people that are already out there. There are so many people that want to help. And I'm sure some people that are going to listen to this and say, you know what? I want to be an ally. Sign me up. You know, that's the whole idea of us Mm -hmm. talking about this in the first place, because people are going to say, you know what? I want to help. I was somebody helped me. This this was an easy thing for me. And so if I can pay it back or pay it forward, then I want to do that. So, yeah, I love that. And. You know, we we are always looking for allies. We have we filled our ally quota for the second cohort, but we are doing a cohort every year. And, you know, I also love in the circles model that, you know, for our circle leaders, when they graduate from the program, we invite them to come back as allies because they have something also to offer. A perspective and an understanding and some encouragement like, hey, I was there. You can get through this, you know. And so, I mean, I've done financial fitness management and some uh, Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey for a number of years. So I've always had the the benefit of kind of seeing that make a difference in people's lives. So I just think it's important. Now, you have a, a an event coming up. And is this an annual event that's coming up or will it be an annual event? We'll likely do it again in the future because the cliff effect is so important to circles. But as part of our our big view side of circles is the part that focuses on the bigger issues. What are barriers that keep people stuck? How do we have influence in the community system structural level? Sure. Um, and so we'll, we usually do a big view event every quarter. Okay. All right. And so this event, the cliff effect when earning more means making less actually will be held and this podcast episode will come out before this actual event. So if you're hearing this and it's before October 18th, 2022, this event will be in partnership with the Fayetteville Public Library. I'm assuming it's taking place right here at the library because that's where Mm -hmm. we are today recording this, as everybody probably knows. And so you have that event coming up. And then I would certainly encourage you to go to the circlesnwa.org site to gain more insight and information on what Circles NWA is doing. You may know somebody that could benefit from this program, both as a as a leader or as a circle leader or as an ally. And so I certainly want to encourage you to make them aware of it and share. Remember, I always say sharing is caring, but what is the best way for people to connect with you, Christina, if they want to reach out and maybe talk a little bit more about what you're doing, or maybe they have a resource that they want to give to you or share with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our website is the best way to connect with us. There's a form you can fill out to um, get in touch with us. We love when people share their professional networks, their resources. And then if people want to get involved you know, as an ally, or also we're always looking for people to help with our children's program. It's where our circle leader and ally children get to go during the program time as well as provide meals for our program. We meet every Wednesday, okay. know, week in and week out. Okay. And you guys are based right here in Fayetteville. Yes, right okay. in Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, we'll make sure that uh, everybody knows about that. And I'm just putting it out there that any way that I can share my circle 
no pun intended, of connections and what have you to help you guys out. I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. And, and certainly I'm doing it by putting you here on the podcast. And I'm, I'm so excited to be able to share this story because, you know, I've had people say to me, hey, we love the podcast. We love you talking about the restaurants and all the great cultural things to do. But we also want to learn about some of the everyday stuff, right? The things that just kind of keep the motor going. And Circles NWA is keeping the motor going for, you know, several individuals in our community that are rising up out of poverty. So, Christina Williams, thank you so much for just taking the time to chat with me and to share your story. And and we'll make sure that everybody gets all of your information on the show notes, if they can connect with you, whatever social media channels that you guys are on. We'll make sure everybody has that information so they know how to reach out. And folks, if you're listening to this and you want to be an ally, please contact Christina and let her know that you heard about it here first on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast and you want to be a part of the Circles NWA family. If you are somebody listening to this and you are sick and tired of being sick and tired when it comes to poverty and just the same old, same old happening all the time, it's like a broke record. You want to fix that? There is somebody there to help you. I always tell people there's always somebody out there that wants to help you. Christina Williams is that person. Her team at Circles NWA are making things happen for individuals one family at a time, and your family could be the next one. So I really want to encourage you to reach out to Christina. Don't be embarrassed. You know, a lot of us have been there. We've we've struggled through, but you know, the idea is that if you want to see change, you have to be the change that you want to see. Period. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so any last words that you want to share before we close out? I think I'll also throw it out there that Circles puts out a lot of nonpartisan voter education resources. Sure, and so there sure. is an election coming up yep. and it can often be really confusing what's on the ballot. And we want to make sure people feel really confident when they cast their votes. And yeah. so there's a lot of those types of resources on our website because we know that you know, this is where a lot of the bigger change can happen is at our local level. So we yeah. encourage people to get involved in our local government. Your vote matters. Yes. Period. End of story. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in the state of Arkansas, you have until the 24th of the, of October to register. It's to, actually October 11th. It is 11th. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Okay. So I'm getting my dates mixed up. October 11th to if you are, if you've never registered to vote, you have until October 11th, 2022, so that you can actually be eligible to vote during this election cycle, yes. which is coming up in November. Yes. So, yeah. And even people in Arkansas, if, if you have had a felony in the past and you've you know checked all the boxes, you're done with that, you can have your right to vote reinstated. Right. And so I would encourage people to don't count yourself out and do whatever you can to register to vote. Yes, please do that. Please do that. Consider that a public service announcement of the highest order. So, well, Christina Williams, thank you so much. And, and last but not least, since you, you've lived here in Northwest Arkansas, for somebody listening that is not as familiar with this area, just recently moved here. Where where do you like to go when, when you want to let your hair down, if you will, and, and go have a good time or go to dinner? What's your favorite place to go to here in, in the area? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think, you know, we, I spend a lot of time in Fayetteville. And so to, you know, to do something fun, we usually do go up to Bentonville, okay. the 8th Street Market. Okay. My friend owns a chocolate shop up there, Markham and Fitz. Oh, yes, chocolate. absolutely. So they, always, they've been on the podcast. Yeah, we so. always pay them a visit. Yes. And, you know, Their chocolate, chocolate is amazing. It's amazing. Oh, my gosh. It's really good. Now, have you been up to Conifer and Bentonville yet? Well, my birthday is in two weeks, and there. that's where we're going. All and right. I'm really excited because I am gluten-free, there and my husband's vegan, so okay. I think we're going to have a great Matt time. Matt Cooper is yeah. going to take good care of you. Do you know Matt by, by any chance? Or 
I've met him before. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to actually send him a message and make sure that he takes good care of you when you get up there. So <laughs> well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank absolutely. You. Using well, your social capital for there, me. So there you go. That. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Always. So, well, Christina Williams, thank you so much. Christina Williams from Circles NWA. Please check them out at circlesnwa.org. Her email is Christina at circlesnwa.org. If you have a question for her, and again, you can check all that information out on the show notes. I'm Randy Wilburn, your host. And remember, our podcast comes out rain or shine every Monday. So we look forward to seeing you back here next week for another brand new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. We'll see you soon. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.